to the most porous podcast you'll find alongside your surf through the tubes of the internet. I'm ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. Oh, yeah. I am your captain, Captain Eric, and it's a pleasure to welcome you to episode 134 of the Squarecast. On today's episode, we're covering one of the most relatable episodes for adults in the show's existence. It's an episode all about facing your past, the anxiety that can come alongside reunions, And most importantly, an episode about staying true to yourself internally, regardless on how your outward appearance may look. I'm, of course, talking about the second half of the 61st episode of SpongeBob SquarePants' Shell of a Man. This episode first premiered alongside Fear of a Krabby Patty on May 6th, 2005. It was written by Mike Bell and Paul Tibbet. Our storyboard directors are Mike Bell and Vincent Waller. Our storyboard artists are Zeus Service and Brad Vandergrift. Our animation director is Tom Yasumi. Our technical director is Vincent Waller. And our supervising producer is Paul Tibbet. Now, this is the last episode for more than 10 years that would mention the storyboard artists in the opening credits of a SpongeBob episode. So Zeus Service and Brad Vandergrift are going to be the the last two storyboard artists that get brought up in this context of, of the episodes at hand. And it wouldn't be until Lost in Bikini Bottom, all the way on July 16th, 2005, in which we had a return of the mention of the storyboard artist for that episode. And it's actually a big deal as to why they did, because they were able to get in legendary Bob Camp to come be the supervising artist for that episode, and I believe it's sister episode as well. For those that don't know, Bob Camp is one of the creators behind the Ren and Stimpy show as a writer, director, storyboard artist, and one of the heads behind that show. And I can understand in 2022 and so on and so forth how you may not want to bring up certain names associated with the Ren and Stimpy show. Bob Camp is not one of those names. I absolutely adore the man. Happy, happy, joy, joy, and since happy, I'm talking joy, about him, I'll bring up this very quick story. When I when I met Bob Camp a few years ago at a convention, I had him draw me an image from one of my favorite Ren and Stimpy episodes, The Big Baby Scam. And he was nice enough to draw out this entire layout of this one scene of the episode. But you're not standing there waiting for him to to draw it. He obviously is is getting a bunch of commissions for his time at the convention. So you pay for your your art, and then you place your name and number down for them to text you for when your your art is done. So at 12.37 p.m., I received a text, happy, happy, joy, joy, your drawing is done, see you soon. And I was over the moon receiving that text. I went and received my picture. I absolutely adore that photo to this day. It'll always be 
behind me in, in any of my sets going forward. And for some reason, I kept that text message in my phone. I, I have no idea. Just the fact that I received a happy, happy, joy, joy text message. It stayed in my phone. And almost a year later, on May 17th, 2016, I had texted my ex, hi, boo, and I received a message back from this number that said, um, hi. Now, when I was messaging this number, it was in the notifications bar of my phone. I wasn't in the full messages app of my phone. I was just kind of half doing it from the top. And so I had accidentally texted the wrong number and then I received the um hi and I had responded to that with, I just wanted to say, I love you. And the text message I received back from the number is the one that made it clear that I wasn't texting my ex. The response was love is all there is with a heart emoji, like the the face with the hearts and the eyes. When I opened up the full text message app, I noticed that I was in fact texting either Mr. or Mrs. Bob Camp because Bob had his 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 wife or his significant other with him at the convention kind of helping him with the process and whatnot. So I felt like I had just swallowed a bowling ball at this moment in time. I messaged back, oh boy, Mr. or Mrs. Camp, I do apologize. This is embarrassing. And the response I received back was the coolest thing ever. Right on, giggle, giggle, we love you too. And they sent back a picture of Ren and Stimpy maniacally laughing. And although I felt embarrassed, and still to this day, if I ever meet him again, I will sincerely apologize for that text message. It was just such a cool interaction to have with someone for a moment in time, completely anonymously. I mean, they obviously don't know who I am, uh, but that is one of my favorite experiences. And I love bringing that up anytime uh, Bob Camp is, is brought up. So if you've heard that story before, I apologize. If you haven't, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Now, there's a word I mentioned earlier that I want to go back to before we get into the real potatoes of this episode. You man, stop playing around! And the word I'm talking about is anxiety. More specifically, the anxiety that can occur when attending a reunion. It doesn't have to be a high school reunion or a college reunion, a military reunion. It could just be even attending a group get-together of friends that haven't seen each other for a long period of time. That kind of anxiety that can occur before that event happens or, or even during that event is so relatable to what Mr. Krabs goes through, not only for what he goes through before the reunion, but for what happens during and after the reunion as well. There is so much relatability there. And uh, and I got to say, I felt it myself going to my own 10-year high school reunion. You You just look at your life, you assess yourself, which is the worst thing to do because you are your own worst critic. So, of course you're going to look at things in the worst possible way. But before you come back to these people you genuinely care about, you're feeling like you're not up to par with everyone else, or you maybe aren't as successful as you should be at this point in your life. But there's a few things you have to remember here. These little set timed reunions are are not meant to be indicative of what you're able to do in this world or your time on this planet. 
no reunion, 10 year, 20 year, 30 year should ever be a marker for you on, on achievements or success in your life. Those are just arbitrary times to get people back together because unfortunately, once you're in the world of being an adult, events like that are necessity for getting people back together. Once there's just all of these levels of responsibility on one's life, the just enjoyment of calling somebody up and getting a group together to hang out, it it becomes a lot harder, they become less frequent, and you have to latch on to those moments when they happen. That's what I would tell anybody who has anxiety about attending a reunion, that it doesn't matter what you're doing during that period of time in between meetups. The whole point of meeting up is I enjoyed these people enough that I want to see them again and interact with them. So don't be so concerned about what you're not doing in your life or where you feel like you should be to somehow come off better to these people. You don't have to have the initials of E, C, and 3 to know that everybody just wants to control their own narrative here, which is completely understandable and is honestly the root of all of this anxiety. It's, well, how am I coming off to these other people? How is my narrative coming off? And sometimes when you attend these reunions, there's that joke of people lying or just puffing up their lives to come off better than they actually are. Honestly, sometimes it's not even lying. It's simply the same kind of tactics that you would put into writing a resume. You know how... With a resume, they'll always tell you to put your best foot forward, put the best information that you can associated to the job you're applying for. In that same rationale, when you're, hey, here's an update on my life, you're sometimes just presenting your best foot forward. Here's the best of information. I'm the best. And you're only going to be with these people for such a short amount of time. Even if you plan out X amount of hours, no matter how much you're with them, you're going to have a good time. The time is going to fly by. That's not enough time. And then before you know it, you're you're already done. Wait, where'd the time go? There's always never going to be enough. And when you get into the flow of enjoying a reunion, at the end of it, you're going to wish that there was more. And that's the beauty of it. There can be more. There's going to be another one in 10 years. See you then. Mission failed. We'll get them next time. That's the beauty of it that you need to understand before attending a reunion, is that everybody there is usually feeling the same level of anxiety about themselves as you are. They may be going through different things in their lives, both positive and negative, but that doesn't mean that the internal criticism that they may be feeling about where they should be is is of any different than what you're going through. So it's nice to be able to power through those negative thoughts You'll, you'll end up enjoying yourself right alongside these people that you enjoyed time with beforehand. That's the beauty of it. Mr. Krabs goes through a very specific kind of anxiety with this, though, because all of us, me making this podcast, you listening to this podcast, I imagine you're not of the crustacean species. I don't want to assume... If there is a crab or lobster, hermit crab, or any crustaceans out there listening to this podcast, I apologize. I I might not be thinking about you in this moment in time. I'm assuming 
that most people who listen to this podcast or most species that listen to this podcast, my apologies, are human. And for us humans, we don't really have anything of a molting connection with crustaceans. The act of molting is essentially a crab, a lobster, someone in that family outgrowing their shell, growing out of it, and then growing a new one. And usually that shell is kind of left over, kind of like how a snake grows out of a snake skin and leaves that snake skin behind. It's very similar in, in that regard, except there's an actual shell that is left behind as we see in this episode. It starts off very innocently with SpongeBob making his own order at the Krusty Krab. We have seen SpongeBob make his own lunch before, but we have never seen him actually go through the official ordering system of the Krusty Krab to get his food. I don't think he technically needs to do so. I mean, I know at official restaurants, even if you're the one making the burgers, you probably would have to still put in your order. Although maybe not, maybe not. If anybody actually works at a high level, high chain fast food restaurant, I'm talking McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's. If you're the actual burger chef and you're about to leave on lunch, do you put in your order first and then go and make your burger or do you make your burger? And then even if you have to, do you at least do the order afterwards? But either way, this is still a first for SpongeBob SquarePants. And somehow he ordered that burger without Squidward knowing, which was really weird. Squidward had the burger for customer number five and SpongeBob presented himself as customer number five to eat the burger right in front of Squidward. And it's actually totally possible for Squidward to not pay attention enough at his job to notice that SpongeBob is ordering something and is then only paying attention when he's picking it up. That's also a possibility on top of SpongeBob maybe having somebody else put in that order for him. The time has come. Execute order 66. If I had a dollar for every brain you don't have, I'd have one dollar. Mr. Krabs gets the attention of SpongeBob and brings him outside where apparently, under the Krusty Krab, or at least behind it, under their dumpster, Mr. Krabs has a hidey hole of some sort. We don't really get to see inside of this, but it certainly doesn't look professionally done and is simply a hole under the dumpster of the Krusty Krab. But Mr. Krabs hauls up a treasure chest, not filled with money, which would be really shocking for him to keep behind the crusty crab in a hole under a dumpster, but it's a treasure chest filled with all of his most prized possessions during his time in the Navy. Now, we've, we've heard before that Mr. Krabs has served in the military, and it is certainly not surprising that for undersea dwellers, the form of the military that they're jumping to is the Navy, uh, but what you might be interested in, because more recently we've had one of the biggest movies of all time based off of the Navy out in theaters. If you didn't know, Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick were movies that were based off of the Navy branch of the United States military, not the Air Force, which is, is something that surprises a lot of people, um, unless you've actually seen those movies and pay attention a little bit, because then 
you'll know exactly that it takes place in the Navy. But if you haven't seen those movies, then it might surprise you to know that, no, it's not an Air Force thing. It is, in fact, a Navy thing. Now, for those that don't know, and on that note, if you happen to join the Navy and you mention Top Gun in any way, you will be fined $5 cash for your transgression. Now, I'm not sure if that still applies to referencing Top Gun Maverick, because that movie made over a billion dollars at the box office and from all accounts is like the Godfather Part 2 of making sequels 40 years after the fact. But I wonder if that still applies to Top Gun Maverick if you're not allowed to, to reference that movie exactly and not just any little sly original reference to the original. But yeah, just a little extra piece of trivia here for you on the Squarecast. I feel the need, the need for speed. Once Mr. Krabs opens up his treasure chest, we're able to see some of the memories from his Navy days. We get to see a compass, his uniforms, what appears to be some maps, a spatula, because he did serve as a chef during his time in the military. We see a compass, also a map compass, and apparently Mr. Krabs is also in the unique position to hold on to old tattoos. As we have mentioned, Krabs molt their outer shell to get room for their new one to grow on top of their outer, soft, squishy bodies. So technically, any tattoo that Mr. Krabs gets is always going to be a temporary tattoo. He's going to outgrow that shell at some point and regrow a new one on, and if he really likes that tattoo, he could just break it off of the old shell and keep it, which is among one of his treasures here. And among everything that Mr. Krabs has held on to in this treasure chest the one that seems to be the most sentimental to him, the one that holds in the highest regard, is the award he received for manly toughness in the Navy. It was a confirmation on everything he can stand behind, on how tough he is, on how manly he may be. He has this award from the Navy that says so. Among all of these other greats, and he shows off this picture of a bunch of his other military mates on the ship, other veterans of the military, such as Mutton Chop and Torpedo Belly, Lockjaw Jones, and Iron Eye. And if you thought those were some pretty cool nicknames, you should hear what old Eugene had in the Navy. Armor Abs Crabs. That's right, Mr. Crabs was known for having the toughest armor, the toughest abs around. No one could break it. And trust me, even during the reunion portion, it seemed like everybody wanted to take a crack at old armor abs. Hey, armor abs! Old Iron Eye here has been itching to punch your legendary gut. This episode always made me question how hard is, in fact, a crustacean's shell. And I did a little bit of research, and, and for what I could find, there was one foundation the Okinawa Chirishima Foundation and their research center, which published an article about the coconut crab and the microstructure of its claw. And they found that the outer structure of this crustacean, the outer layer was as hard as steel. Now, this is one species, the coconut crab, whereas Mr. Krabs is a crimson sea crab. But it's you know, at least a close idea to know how hard those shells can in fact be, relative to their size, of course. One other little tidbit to know about a crab's outer shell is that there's a substance within that shell known as keratin, and it is the same kind of substance that you will find within your fingernails. I believe your toenails as well. So in some way, we actually do have some sort of connection 
with our crustacean brethren than we we were led on to believe. It shouldn't be too much of a surprise at all that Mr. Krabs is going through all of these old Navy memories of his to get ready for an upcoming reunion with his old Navy buddies. And even though old Armor Abs has put on a few extra pounds since the last time he has seen any of these guys, that's not going to take away from the fact that he's going to march straight into that reunion and take the claim again that he is the most manly, he is the most tough, and that is until the inevitable happens, because I'm sure it's pretty obvious up to this point, that he molts his shell. Since his weight gain was brought up, it was only inevitable that he was going to pop out of that thing, and so he does, and ends up looking like this doughy, pink, mushy version of himself that seemingly can't take the clothes off of his shell to properly clothe himself, which is honestly my only criticism over Mr. Krabs in this episode. It's one thing for you to lose your shell, but it's an entirely different thing for you to just not put some clothes on. I know you have multiple versions of that outfit at home. Could you just put one of those on, maybe? It would at least aesthetically be a bit more pleasing than to just have all of that hanging out, but you do you, boo. And he ain't dressed for the occasion, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yup, you heard right. He's completely... Naked. With no clothes on. <laughs> Mr. Krabs is now freaking out over the fact that his whole armor abs persona was behind that shell. He doesn't have the three days to properly grow one back to go to this reunion. It is later that night. And it's during this exchange with SpongeBob that they find out that SpongeBob is not only able to fit into Mr. Krabs' old shell but he also has the ability to act like Mr. Krabs, which is really funny because it's brought up in this episode that SpongeBob and Squidward have been practicing their imitations of Mr. Krabs behind his back, and that just seems to be some co-worker camaraderie that we're seeing at the Krusty Krab, which is really nice to hear. It's nice to know that SpongeBob and Squidward have some sort of common ground behind the scenes that we don't necessarily get to see, but here are the after effects of that Going back and forth of making fun of Mr. Krabs, SpongeBob is able to at least do a decent Mr. Krabs impression, which is, of course, all about the obsession with money and cutting corners. And Mr. Krabs gets nice and roasted here by SpongeBob and his extensive audition for the role of Mr. Krabs. Instead of just facing his friends head on and letting him know, hey, nature happened and my skin was molted off, and this is just something that crabs go through, and I'm still the toughest guy here, he instead wants to send SpongeBob inside of his shell to basically show off that he still has those armor abs, and doesn't really put to thought what SpongeBob behind that, that shell is going to portray to everybody. And as the reunion goes on, which I have to mention here, because we have one eclectic group of voice actors behind Mr. Krabs' old shipmates. First up is old Iron Eye, voiced by Tom Kenny, SpongeBob himself, followed by Torpedo Belly and Lockjaw Jones, voiced by D. Bradley Baker, and rounding out the group, old Mutton Chop is voiced by the one, the only Tom F. Wilson, who is best known as the live-action role of Biff from Back to the Future, but 
in the SpongeBob world is most well known as playing the characters of Flats the Flounder, the Tattletale Strangler, and here we have him as old Mutton Shop. And he does a wonderful job. I mean, that voice is so iconic, and every voice that he helps bring to this world is is just mwah, icing on the cake, my friend. Thank you. Since when did you become the physical type? Now, if you're paying attention to the other attendees of this reunion, you may notice a few other familiar faces. The first of which is Incidental 24. Now, for those who have never heard the term incidental before in association with SpongeBob SquarePants, then allow me to let you know that the incidental followed by its number are the names given to all of the background fish that don't have proper names. And even when they do so, usually those background fish started out with a incidental number name, such as Fred. You know, Fred the Fish wasn't always called Fred the Fish. He had an incidental number, which was actually incidental one. That's right, Fred the Fish has the distinction of being the first incidental. But Incidental 24 is an iconic-looking background character. He is that big, orange-looking buff fish with the big muscles and that lower brow line that hangs over his, uh, his eyes. An iconic-looking fish who apparently was in the Navy. But among these attendees as well is Reg from the Salty Spittoon. Now, what's different about Reg here is that instead of the color of purple, he is shown having a more yellowish color. And you might think, well, that's just a similar design. That's not Reg. Well, I would say you're right if you just look at the face. But there is one shot of this episode where you can see his body and you can clearly see Reg's mom tattoo right on his chest. And the only explanation I can have for this is he must have had a pretty patty right before attending the reunion to get that yellowish hue color on his body. Now, he's not the only patron of the Salty Spittoon that you can find from that episode over to this episode, but it wouldn't be that crazy to know that a couple of Navy veterans are walking into the Salty Spittoon and that being their bar of choice. Welcome to the Salty Spittoon. How tough are you? I know you are, but what am I? Speaking of bar, uh, the drink Grog was mentioned in this episode, and I actually want to just mention what Grog is because I find it interesting. But Grog is watered-down rum. And the reason that it's watered down is for the rum that you're taking on sea expeditions. So you're obviously not going to be able to stock up on, on rum continuously. And if you run out, you run out. Well, how do you prolong running out of rum? You water it down a bit. So even though in that one glass you're having less of an experience, overall, you're going to be able to take that experience and last it over a longer period of time until you can you can get more. So for them to have spent so much time on the sea, that was probably their drink of choice out there was grog, the watered-down rum. The more you know. Wow. As Mr. Krabs nakedly watches from a plant in the room, SpongeBob, as Mr. Krabs, goes through the entire reunion with flying colors. He shows off that he still has the toughest armor under the sea, and all of his friends are so impressed with how well he has kept himself up all of these years that they once again 
award him the Manly Toughness Award. Which, it's really sweet to still see Mr. Krabs earn some recognition, even though he has to earn it from the back of the room, naked, in a plant. But nonetheless, it's still nice to see him kind of earn something, even though it was really SpongeBob just faking it around with that shell. Now, once SpongeBob gets in front of a live microphone, I would say up to this point, he has done a 9 out of 10 in terms of portraying Mr. Krabs, maybe an 8 out of 10. Certainly not a 10 out of 10, but he's done a pretty decent job. But once he gets in front of a live microphone, he is then prompted by everybody to give a speech, and it's here where everything obviously goes off of the rails. It's a really funny moment for me, and I I laughed extremely hard rewatching this segment, but SpongeBob acting as Mr. Krabs, giving off what he believes is a like a treacherous sea tale or a tale of of like a rough time in the Navy, but SpongeBob obviously doesn't have any of those memories to pull from. So instead he pulls a memory of running out of bubble soap in jellyfish fields. And it's, it's so funny that he pulls out this story, but as his Mr. Krabs persona, and there's this heightened drama to Mr. Krabs running out of bubble soap in jellyfish fields. And all of his crewmates are just sitting beside themselves like, what? This guy in jellyfish fields? Bubble soap? What is what is going on here? And before he gets to finish his story, Mr. Krabs is able to shoo SpongeBob off of the stage where he is unfortunately confronted by his shipmates who confront him about this uh, fishy situation on their hands. And it's over the two things that they know old Armorab's Krabs would never do. The first one is spend a penny which I feel like they're connecting with the fact that he, on the stage, had admitted to blowing bubbles, which would constitute buying bubble soap, on top of the act of jellyfishing, which is a hobby that you would have to spend money on, and certainly not a hobby that I can imagine brings a lot of revenue back in unless you're part of the jelly spotters. And that's just the first thing that old armor abs would never do. The second would be to leave the room without giving old Torpedo Belly a belly bump. And even through withstanding any of the punches that any of these guys had coming to him the entire night, it's this belly bump with Torpedo Belly that sends Spongebob in Mr. Krabs' armor all around the room before finally disintegrating before their very eyes and just leaving Spongebob among the rubble. Before SpongeBob can be thoroughly taken care of from these veterans, Mr. Krabs comes out of the shadows, all naked and such, and presents himself in his current form to his former shipmates. He is a flabby, pink mess, and it's simply because he's molting. He will grow back his skin, but he is still the tough guy within. And even though he hid it from them, In the worst possible way, he literally had an imposter show up at their reunion on his behalf. They still re-award him the Manly Toughness Award for being the first one in the room to take off that veil and, and show your true self, admit to the world how things really are. And one by one, we start finding out that all of his other crewmates are hiding big flaws about themselves. The first one should be pretty obvious, as if you paid attention to the picture earlier in the episode, you would notice that uh, old Torpedo Belly certainly wasn't 
rocking a torpedo throughout the entire reunion, and he shows off the scar of having that torpedo removed. Mutton Chop apparently has gone bald and is adorned with fake mutton chops. Lockjaw is rocking some fake dentures, and Iron Eye apparently doesn't have an eye made of iron. It is, in fact, Formica. And as I looked it up, it is a composite material that is laminated and is essentially a plastic. So he has a plastic-looking bolt hanging out of his eye. I wonder if it's a bit safer to have Formica in your eye instead of iron, but that's uh, that's not for me to answer. I don't know if any scientists out there could could answer that question. What would be safer to have in your eye socket, iron or Formica? But I think I would rather go with the iron than the plastic because there's already enough plastics in my system. I certainly don't need one jutting out of my eye socket. But one by one, all of his friends, all of these tough guys that he was looking up to and was so worried about making a bad impression on figures out that they're all hiding something major about themselves that they lost over time. And they all have the same level of anxiety that Mr. Krabs has about showing up to one of these events and feeling less than what you should be or what you think other people are going to see you as. Now, we talked a lot about the external parts of your life that you usually present at reunions, but this episode covers also physical looks and how you physically present yourself in front of your former friends, your former classmates, and that can certainly be an entirely other level of anxiety as well. But a lot of what I've said thus far still stands even if you feel like physically you don't look as where you should be at this point in your life. You can change that. You can certainly move forward, find different paths, and still move along this journey of yourself. And there's not any point of your life that should be a lockdown, including your job, your weight, where you live, what you're doing, Nothing that people are currently seeing you doing or how you look should be the 100% picture of your entire life. It's just a single moment, a moment that doesn't define your life. And if you feel like anyone is going to take that moment and that is going to be their definition of you, it sounds like more of a problem that they have than a problem that you need to worry about. And that's why you should always be working towards your better self because you never know when that next reunion, when that next get-together, that next meetup happens because in between those, those points in time, you can always better yourself so that the next time there's a, a meetup or a reunion, you can feel better about yourself going into it in the way you're presenting your life or your physical appearance. There's always going to be a new day to try something out, so why not? I know most of you who grew up with SpongeBob SquarePants have probably already graduated from high school and have already attended some sort of high school reunion of some sort, or you've probably attended some sort of reunion in a different sense in your life, and I'm sure, I am sure that you had some level of anxiety of going into that, but... For as sure as I am on that anxiety front, I'm also sure that you probably also had a good time. You probably reestablished a connection that was maybe lost to time, and maybe that connection can continue on in a different way. 
which is always exciting. It's always exciting to reconnect with people that you've you've missed from long ago, and you never know. Sometimes when you reconnect later on in life, you now have more connecting experiences that can strengthen a nice relationship that can continue on in a way that you never would have expected. So always expect the unexpected when going into a reunion. Expect that anxiety. Expect that other people have that anxiety. But be yourself because yourself is the coolest thing that you can be. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to be our time together aboard. Thank you for being a part of the Ready Crew. You can reach Captain Eric and the show at spongepodpodcast at gmail.com. S-P-O-N-G-E-P-O-D podcast at gmail.com. You can follow the captain on Twitter at I'm Ready Podcast and on Instagram at SpongeBobPodcast. Also, please follow both of my Twitch accounts, twitch.tv slash thecaptaineric and twitch.tv slash SpongeBobPodcast. Most importantly, though, please go and subscribe to the Captain Eric YouTube channel, where not only do all of my podcasts get uploaded with some extra additional art and flair, you can comment and discuss things with me, the captain, right on YouTube, and also video-exclusive content that is, of course, not going to drop on any other podcasting platform out there. So be there, subscribe, or be square. Please check out my other podcast, This Week in Nickelodeon History, dropping every Sunday on most conceivable podcasting platforms. And if you would like to support Captain Eric in any way, you can do so by purchasing new and updated merch at the Redbubble link, either in the podcast description or from the link in any of my socials. Anything that comes in through my projects, go directly back into my projects, and it is always immensely appreciated. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ready Crew, I appreciate you for coming aboard. Please stay safe, be kind to one another, and come aboard again next week to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. Armor Abs Crabs, come join your old naval buddies in a toast. Oh, what have I done? Okay, boys, let the SS party drop anchor right here. Oh, I've created a monster. Here's some grog. You still like pineapple, right? Like pineapple? I live in one. <laughs> <laughs> that old crab is as manly as ever.